Good afternoon and welcome to another episode of the North Fort Worth podcast. I'm your host, Josh Boyd, and I'm joined this afternoon by Pastor Stephen Lowry. It's good to be with you. I think uh, we weren't able to get together last week. It's exciting here on a Wednesday to be able to speak to our podcast audience for today. Yeah, it's very good to be with you. And Father's Day is not a week like a lot of things that we celebrate, but um, it is Father's Day week. And we celebrated that this past Sunday. How do you think things went this past Sunday? I thought the morning was encouraging. I was actually blessed to see the level of attendance. Sometimes you you don't know on a Father's Day uh, what the participation level might be. And uh, especially in our, our second service, I think we had one of our larger attendances that yeah. we've had uh, since we've opened things back up. It's so a very good crowd. It was encouraging to see. And it was, to me, again, just a, a helpful reminder for us to celebrate the role of fathers. And as I noted on Sunday, I think some in our culture or diminishing the father's role in the home and, and the influence that a father can have in the lives of children. And, and I think uh, for those who are following Jesus, just to pause and say, you know, we need to celebrate dads that are uh, trying to live out their faith. And for sure, though all of us are flawed and imperfect in how we do what we do, but I'm grateful for the men in our church that as honestly as they know, they, they're just trying uh, to love their children, love their spouses to reflect faith in a way that can be a help. And I thought Sunday was good. Yeah, yeah I thought so as well. I had an interesting perspective there, there. It seems like Father's Day sometimes really is kind of suppressed almost in our society. And, you know, there's uh, the role of uh, fathers who were maybe um, adopted into a situation. They have children adopted into a situation or uh, mothers that are pulling double duty. There's a lot of people that fall into the Father's Day role of things. And I think it's really important to celebrate that. And uh, so we wanted to talk about fathers just for a moment today. uh, As we were visiting before the podcast, I think it's helpful to remember uh, where our lives perhaps have been blessed and encouraged. And, And I realize as some are listening to us today, they may not have been blessed by the influence of a godly father, a, a father present in their lives in a way that really strengthened them. And, and that saddens me. I, it it yeah. absolutely does. But at the same time, I think we should uh, be able to acknowledge and, and to, in a personal way, celebrate the examples where there have been those instances where uh, a father has sought to be a, a positive difference in, in his children's lives. And and, in my life, I can certainly attest that that was my experience. And uh, I will confess, it's, I don't know that it was the easiest thing growing up in a preacher's household. (laughs) I mean, that's a whole different dynamic sometimes growing up within the church when you're the son of the pastor and and how people relate to you and how they see you. But uh, I mean, I I was blessed with uh, the, the way that dad related to to me and my brothers, I have three brothers, and, and I think looking back, I, I, I'm just grateful for the opportunity to grow up in the home that, that we grew up in. Now, I'm curious, on your part, Josh, uh, I mean, do you have a favorite dad story, maybe, that, just out of your experiences favorite with dad your dad? Favorite dad story. Yeah, you know, uh, my dad and I both love sports. Um, we love baseball, and uh, when I was younger, um, in 05, um the Astros uh, were in uh, the National League Championship Series and they were playing in Houston and my dad and I both 
went and I believe I got pulled out of school early too. Oh so that was even, it was even more fun, but, uh, pulled out of school early. We went to batting practice and, uh, got to watch and we went to Astros games fairly often. Um, and so it was no going to Minute Maid Park was no, um, it wasn't a once in a lifetime thing, but right. This was. I mean, watching a postseason uh, Astros baseball game and seeing my dad. My dad's been a fan of the Astros since they were the Colt 45s. And uh, so it was just a really cool thing to experience with my dad, seeing his excitement, my excitement, us sharing in that kind of love for the sport. And right. uh, it's one of my favorite dad moments. There's a lot of joy involved in that moment. And I really, really love looking back on that moment. And that's why you've been in my office and my office right. is decked out in I can Astros and memorabilia. I think there are probably a lot of sons growing up uh, do have those stories that surround sport in particular sure, I, I sure. mean even in my life uh, uh, when I was growing up here in Fort Worth uh, the Washington Senators moved to Arlington and became the Texas Rangers and some of my early uh, warm memories favorable memories uh, involved my dad too yeah. uh, just piling us into the car we went out to to the old Arlington Stadium and and again just good memories uh, where you, you were able to enjoy that atmosphere and and to, to be with your dad in, in that kind of an environment there's a, a wholesomeness to it a purity to it I think with baseball being yeah, America's I think so in fact time. I was I spoke with my dad on Sunday and wishing him a happy Father's Day and uh, we were talking about the new uh, stadium here and we're discussing uh, trying to make some arrangements for him to come to town at some point before the end of the season to enjoy the ac oh you bet just (laughs) to be able to let him because he again we were here when the the senators came and we have been painfully a a ranger fan through some very difficult uh, periods of course this season being another one of those yeah yeah but um i mean good very encouraging memories looking back and uh, I developed a love for baseball, even as my dad, I think, expressed that. But uh, to kind of alter it slightly, certainly, I think both of us have been blessed by the influence of our dad's faith. I mean, is there yeah. something in particular that stands out for you there? Absolutely. You know, I think uh, my, my dad's in uh, still serving in the, the military, he serves in the National Guard right now. And, um, you know, I think there are a lot of times... Um, he took a deployment when when I was younger, and you know that instance, um, our house being uh, really, uh, you know, borderline destroyed by a hurricane, and mm. just uh, every moment of adversity my family faced. Um, I remember my dad's faith in the Lord and him uniting our family um, in that, and him uh, being able to say, you know, we've, we have just faced this terrible thing. Uh, We understand that we know that, but God is still good, even in spite of that. And God is good even because of that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that, that really irritated me as a child because I didn't understand what that meant, I think. And uh, I would never have let that be known that it bothered me or irritated me because I knew that that was, I knew that that was my dad's faith. But I think now as an adult, looking back on that, I admire that and I respect that. And I envy that, um, at times, um, just the faith to be able to face adversity and say, I know that I'm going through this because of a, a more grand design and because God has a purpose through this. 
and to look back and say, you know, God has brought us through all of this in the past. So I know that he's going to get us through this. I know that he can handle something this small, even though it seems so huge in our lives right now. And, um, I don't know if that makes sense at all, but I think that's an encouraging testimony. How about you? Well, as I mentioned before, it's not the easiest thing to grow up in a pastor's home. You have shoes to fill and a target on your back. uh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just a, it's a different dynamic and, uh, and I remember when we moved from Fort Worth to Texarkana, I just started high school. And, and I, I was struck, honestly, by how some people were surprised at me that I, I wasn't a, a real rebellious teenager. I guess uh, some people presume that, you know, uh, preacher's kids kind of go off the rails and become really, really rebellious. And I never... Uh, really moved in that direction. And, and as I look back over my life, the reason that is, is I always observed a genuineness in my dad's faith. Uh, I mean, none of us are perfect. My dad isn't a perfect person. But uh, as, a, as a boy growing up in my home, I observed a faith that wasn't tied to his job. I mean, he was living out his faith. He was trying to reflect um, a, a trust in Jesus Christ. And and I just observed that level of consistency. And so it, it drew me toward Jesus and ultimately led me to, to trust in Jesus myself. And, and so I never really imagined a point in time where I, I was angry about being a pastor's son yeah. because I was just experiencing the life of faith in my dad, my mom. And, and so, yeah, I mean, when I look at my journey, I, I'm just grateful that I was raised in that type of sure. an environment and, and I felt like Sunday was very appropriate for us to celebrate, you know, that level of influence on the part of dads. Yeah. And, and I pray in my life as I'm a, a dad now and a granddad that uh, what my children observe in me is that same longing of heart. I just want to find authentic ways to live out a trust in Jesus. And, and I hope that encourages my children to move in a similar direction. You know, it's interesting how often authenticity comes up in a, a character trait that is so valuable. Not only we talked, you know, last week we were out with a, um, we had our staff, staff retreat, retreat and we, we talked did. about authenticity there as well. And, and you know, you think of being a good leader, being a good team member, being a good staff member, being a good minister of the gospel, being a good father, being a good mother. Authenticity is at right at the front of, of so many of these different key elements that we all walk through in life. And so I, I think it's important that we celebrate that. And we had a great time celebrating Father's Day this past Sunday. We did. And I appreciate you mentioning last week, we weren't able to do a podcast. We uh, we're away last week, uh, Monday and Tuesday, uh, for a time of, of staff retreat. And if you're listening, you think, well, what, what do you all do? Well, we actually spent two entire days just focusing in on how we could come together as, as a team. And I was going to make a joke that we just walked around downtown the yeah, whole time. Yeah, we did. Yeah, that's, ate a lot of that's ice cream. not what we did. That's no, <laughs> I, I think uh, we left mentally tired, to be yeah. honest, after the length of of time where we were in discussion, but uh, as the Lord's brought um, Mark Jackson to be now a part of our, our ministry staff, uh, I felt like the time was perfect uh, moving uh, into the summer, into the fall for us to get together yeah. for a concentrated time so that we could move uh, in the same direction in our thinking and in our planning. And, and I, I, 
I, I just wanted us to begin to, to think about how the Lord could work through us. And I, I kept using the term team. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul talks about how the church is, is a, a body and that there are different members of the body and, and they need to function well and not elevate one over the other, but instead come together and appreciate that God's put us together with design and purpose. And, and so in a similar way, I think as a ministry staff, as a team, we need to understand he's brought us together to do things uh, together that we could not achieve alone. And we spent uh, the entirety of two days just yeah. thinking about that, talking about that. Now, I did draw uh, from a couple of leadership books. Uh, if you're wondering uh, where some of our, our focus moved, we looked at two books by Patrick Lencioni. Uh, the first book was entitled The Ideal Team Player, where he through his research has begun to identify, and this isn't just for church, this is in business in general, that if you're wanting to, to, to have a healthy team, that, that you probably want to have team players that contribute to that. Yeah. And uh, he, he's been able to identify the three virtues of, of an ideal team player. If you're listening, I, I'm wondering if, if you already have that kind of popping into your mind. What do you think those virtues might be? If you're thinking competence, just realize, again, it's presumed as you go into a job, you're going to have some level of competence. So that wasn't on this list. <laughs> you want to be good at the job. Yeah, yeah you, you need to know how to do what you're doing or at least be moving in the direction of, of discovering that, that ability. But the emphases he made really, I think, affect the dynamic among the team members. And, and he emphasized, first of all, and this was... I think encouraging to see uh, that uh, the number one virtue he emphasizes humility, uh, that you need to be humble. And if you're going to function well as a team, that egos need to get out of the way. Uh, you need to appreciate the value of the team over and above the individual yeah. agendas and pursuit. And so he, he really promotes that, which, like I said, I'm encouraged to see that as we look at how, uh, leadership gurus outside the church are trying to, to mobilize people. It's always reassuring to me that they, they seem to move toward biblical principles and, and, and realize the value of that. The second being that the, uh, an ideal team member is hungry. And that was another, I think, uh, helpful reminder that if we're going to function well as a team, and those of you that are in a work setting even now, and you're trying to pull together with, with your colleagues, Part of what you want to have is is a mutual drive, a hunger to see things take take off, and I sense that among our our team already as a staff, and I'm excited about that. But that that's a, a certainly an ideal virtue for a team member. And then the final thing uh, is he's trying to move us uh, in in a constructive place is to 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 be able to focus on on ultimately. Um, where we're going with that. And then the third and final emphasis that he makes is that the team members need to be smart. And the focus there isn't on intellect, uh, it really is on people smart, that effective teams relate to each other in ways that, that reflect an understanding of, of personality and, and how we can function best as a team. Uh, we spend a part of our retreat actually looking at a, a personality profile yeah. so that uh, as we move together into the months ahead that we appreciate we're not all the same and uh, we can work together based on our differences to accomplish as i've tried to to imagine far more 
working together than what I could achieve or you could achieve on your own. And so that was a, a part of our discussion. And the larger part of the discussion was a, a second book by Patrick Lencioni entitled The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Yeah. Uh, you remember what those were? Yeah, The Five Dysfunctions. And just to share with, with you and to, I hope, you know, I hope that they help. It, it was kind of I don't know if mind blowing is really the word, just, just very eye opening, very, um, very humbling also to, to look at the five dysfunctions and to see how well they not only fit in a corporate sense. And this is really what he writes the book. Yeah. He's writing for businesses, um, not the church, a a secular perspective. We watched a a video of him providing a, a kind of a overview of the five dysfunctions. And he, he was speaking to a a Christian audience. Uh, His background is Catholic in terms of his religious background, but uh, he acknowledged that much of what we're discussing are rooted in the biblical principles. Yeah. And, uh, and if we could avoid the dysfunctions, then we might discover a greater level of success. So, so if you say I'm not on the, you know, the pastoral ministry team at North Fort Worth, that's, this doesn't apply to me. You're wrong. And it this really does. Everyone's a part of a team of, of some sort. Everyone's a part of something. Um, so these, these five dysfunctions of a team, the first one is the absence of trust. And uh, that's is spurred on really by the hindrance of an invulnerability. And we talked about the humility right. in the, the previous one, the second. That's, yeah, and that's foundational. I mean, if the trust isn't there among us, for sure. example, as a ministry staff, uh, then we're not going to relate to one another in a way that, that moves us yeah. forward. We're going we're gonna to play games or we're going to kind of hide what we're thinking or what we're feeling. When again, what he wants is a trust that's not uh, based on on predictive actions, but it's really based on vulnerability. That uh, as a group, we can come together and be honest about what we think, what we see, what we feel, and out of that, we can discover better outcomes. Sure, as we're open with each other. And I loved that all five of these build on one another. They all build off of the previous one. So if there is an absence of trust and there's no vulnerability, there's invulnerability, then there's going to be an artificial harmony. Yeah, everything else uh, collapses. Yeah, there's going to be some issues with other things, and that leads to a fear of conflict. Right. Um, now, f- that, to me, probably was the most interesting discussion. I thought it was the most applicable one. Oh, I do, too. Uh, because so often in the church, we, we discuss... Uh, how we want to try to avoid conflict. Yeah. We want the love of Christ to, to help us find Unity ways to, yeah. to just accept each other. And through that, I guess, again, uh, diffuse any potential conflict. But uh, what Lencioni is trying to promote isn't a conflict of personalities, but what he's promoting is there needs to be a conflict of ideas that there, if, if your ultimate goal is to find the best potential approach or outcome, then you need very candid discussions. And and so what you want is everybody at the table to trust each other enough to express even differing points of view. Now, let me stress, again, we're a church and we understand there are moral uh, precepts and, and principles and truths that aren't going to be open for debate. Sure. But we're talking about how to do ministry or how to impact our community and how to respond to, to the changing environment that's around us. And we want everybody's idea at the table. And if we're afraid that my idea will put me in conflict with your idea, then then we're not going to often find the, the best solution. <laughs> right. And so you, we have to uh, move through that. And I thought that was helpful. 
So if there's an invulnerability, we lead to an artificial harmony. And if there's no harmony, if there's an artificial harmony, it leads to ambiguity, which is a lack of commitment. And I think this lack of commitment really there's no clarity and right. there's a lack of commitment because there's no clarity. There's no closure on what, what we're doing, what the goal is. And, uh, we, we made some decisions as a team this we last week that, um, we talked about even if we don't, if we, if we're not committed to this idea, all of us as a team, even if, you know, one of us didn't vote, you know, for that particular idea, if all of us aren't committed to that idea after it's been chosen by our team, then it, will fail and even if it doesn't fail it has failed in a sense because we weren't committed to it you know and again what we discussed and certainly what uh, patrick Lencioni promotes is if you're going to be an effective team uh you're committing yourself to the team and and ultimately you're being driven by that larger goal to work together but again that just falls apart if the trust isn't there and you're not being honest enough to even express conflicting ideas. But if, say, the trust is there, and then you have these very open and, and engaging conversations that really expose every scenario so that you're, you're, you're imagining all the possibilities, even though you may not fully commit or agree with every nuance, you can commit to the, to the whole. And that was that third emphasis that, you know, teams are, they dysfunction when they don't commit, but teams can thrive when the buy-in is there yeah and i think uh again i was thrilled i think we're we're going to be moving in that direction as a ministry staff and as a team and and there's a lot of possibilities from that yeah here's another big one this is the fourth dysfunction after a lack of commitment we uh, we end up at an avoidance of accountability or a lack of accountability and i think really the, the big thing here that i took away was just a low standard almost like an apathetic mindset um here and there's no there's no difficult issues to confront because we haven't had any trust. There, you've we, watered no, everything yeah, down. Everything is so no watered one has really down put anything out there. There's no stock in anything. No, and, no. And so you're not going to see really anything emerge constructively out yeah. of it. And there's so there's no, there's no accountability. accountability because you, you don't even know what you're aiming for. Yeah. There's nothing to hold people accountable for. <laughs> right. But uh, as we discussed and uh, I left the retreat feeling very encouraged uh, that, you know, we want to reach that point where we have those clear objectives in front of us that we've been able to to share and develop so that it, it does enable us to have that that healthy accountability where as a team we're just saying yeah that's where we're aiming are we getting there and what are we doing to get there and what do we need to do differently to get there and so uh, I thought that was was helpful leading to the final potential dysfunction. The fifth dysfunction is the inattention to results. And I think this is the one that kind of make or breaks, uh, makes or break churches. um, When we talk about results and numbers and, you know, you see so many people who are uber focused on numbers to where, and I think that's, what's interesting about these five dysfunctions is when there's too much, there's a balance here. There's a harmony to all of these five functions of the team. And when there's a focus too much on one of them, do we lose focus on the others? You know, does that make sense? Yeah. And, and I think again, I've been part of ministry and church life for a great number of years. I sense, and I'll be transparent in acknowledging that to our listeners, there's a tendency at times uh, to, to play down numbers because you don't want to come across as artificial. Sure. And, you know, well, it's not about the numbers. It's about individuals. and Especially so, during COVID. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you know, I can appreciate how some within the church would, would want to kind of downplay uh, 
a lot of emphasis on numbers. And yet, if you think about it, when we talk about numbers, we really are talking about people. And Christ has called us to, to equip and to influence, to extend hope together as broadly as we possibly can. And if, if we don't begin to, 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 to discuss that in the, in the context of actual numbers, then I, I'm not sure we're always challenging ourselves to the degree that we should no be challenged. But see, you, you, can't, you don't start with numbers. You start with the, the earlier emphases where you're building the trust and you're having the broad discussions and then you're developing the commitment and that's going to be moving you in a direction where then there's accountability which produces results, which is measurable. And sure. uh, my prayer for our, our staff, our team, is that the Lord's going to continue to work with us in a, in a way that would help us to achieve that. And I, I, I anticipate as this becomes uh, more and more characteristic of, of how we're functioning within the context of the church office, I think in a beautiful way, we'll see the overflow uh, in how, again, in our yeah. volunteer teams and how we're interacting with each other in those settings that, that we can promote these same types of virtues and practices that would help us to, to accomplish the things that the Lord has for us. Absolutely. Well, we celebrated Father's Day this past week. We were at staff retreat uh, the week before, um, but this coming weekend, leading up to our worship gatherings on Sunday at 10 a.m. on Saturday, we've got kind of a unique opportunity for you, and we're calling that Pray and Go. We celebrated the same thing last year, um, kind of around this time. I think it was a little later in the year, uh, later in the summer. Toward the fall. But yeah. uh, but very, very similar, even the same type of event. At 10 a.m. on Saturday, if you want to meet us at the church, we're going to hand out... Um, a stack of a hundred door inviters for you and a team of two to three people, um, at least two in your team. Or if you want to do it as a family, that's great too, but we'll team you up. We'll give you a, um, a map and some addresses and we'll have you actually go out and we're just going to pray for households. And, uh, it, the goal is not to have conversations with people. Really. The goal is to pray and, and go. go. <laughs> that's yeah, really and again, the, you're not going to knock on doors. What we're wanting to do though, is to remind our church members that, you know, our heart really should be beyond our walls. And a very simple way of, of reminding us of that is to, to just sure. walk some of the streets. And we're going to, to really focus in, especially on the neighborhood surrounding the church property. And uh, you'll be given a couple of streets. You'll be asked just to, to slowly walk down the street, privately praying uh, for even though you don't know the names of those who are behind the doors, you can be sure yeah. that they have needs. And you can just ask the Lord to be gracious and kind as he would relate to them. And even pray, Lord, help us as a congregation uh, be supportive of our community and to meet needs in ways that we can. There will be a feature on the door hanger that we'll leave on the doors where if, say, that person uh, has a, a specific request, uh, the card will indicate somebody prayed for them as they were walking down yeah. the street. And if they have a specific request that they can email that request to us here at the church. And as we do every single week, we'll, we'll begin praying for, for those specific needs. Uh, the other advantage of the card is we're looking forward to hosting Vacation Bible School at the end of July. And there will be a promotional piece related to that. So, uh, Again, I, I would appeal to you if you're listening to us today or, or maybe uh, if it's Thursday or Friday, join us on Saturday morning at 10 a.m. in the gym. Orientation will probably take about 15 minutes. Yep. 
uh, you'll probably only be out for about an hour, so you'll be home by lunchtime, yeah. and, and you'll... Shouldn't take longer than an hour and a half. Yeah. It depends on which map you you'll, get. You'll be but, a blessing. Uh, yeah, and, and it won't be too hot outside. It'll be kind of before the heat of the day. It'll be hot, no doubt, but it'll be less hot than it will be several hours after that. It, it will be good. So think about it, and maybe... Uh, Go ahead and circle 10 a.m. Saturday morning to, to be a part of Pray and yeah, Go. It'll be good. We'll be looking forward to that. We're also looking forward to Wednesday night activities this evening. It's Normally we say here. tomorrow but when we record podcasts on Tuesday, but that's tonight. We have Yeah, tonight I'll be uh, focusing in on the Apostle John, as we shared in an earlier podcast, my favorite, favorite Apostle. Yeah, the favorite and, of the Apostles. And uh, it is going to be a, a very encouraging lesson for those adults that join us on campus or online, but Mark's begun to see an increasing number of students and yeah uh, at 6 30 with him and and so we would love for to, to have you come out tonight yeah and the kids won't be meeting tonight because they're at camp i think they'll still be having activities but sally won't be there because yeah, she's at sally camp with the kiddos a wonderful number of children uh, grades three through six at riverbend retreat center and uh, what i'm hearing is the week's gone tremendously well and i, I can't wait to actually hear the testimonies that will yeah. flow out of camp. Kids camp is a fun time. That They don't get a lot of sleep at kids camp. No, They're, I think but, Sally um, will be exhausted. Yeah. The, youth, the youth camps are intense, but the kids still like to sleep. Teenagers like to sleep, and sometimes kids just, they don't get it. They don't understand sleep, so... I'm sure they're having lots of long nights and a late week for sure. But uh, we're praying for them. We're praying for you, church, as you listen. And uh, we hope to see you again tonight in person uh, or online for Pastor Stevens Bible study in person for kids and student activities and for our Wednesday night meal. Um, and then also to see you uh, at Pray and Go on Saturday morning at 10 a.m. right here at the church in the gym. Uh, church, we're praying for you. We love you. Have a great week. Mm-hmm.